Amen. Well, hey, good morning, Two Cities Church. So good to be with you guys. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And you know, this is actually your second to last weekend in this building. You guys, you guys, oh, were you guys aware of that? Yeah. Tell you what, if you wanted to gift this building to our church, we'd be very grateful. We can call it Plaza Church, Winston Campus, something to pray about, okay? Just something to pray about. But uh, man, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. You know, this church, you guys, this is like the bat cave for evangelicals, okay? Like it's, it's the bat cave. I mean, every time I come, I see something new that I've never seen before. And I'm like, Dave Vogel, what is that thing? And he's like, well, that's just like a, that's just how you assimilate people into the life of your church. And I'm like, whoa, can I have it, okay? He's like, yes, go ahead. And then Carrie, I'm like, hey, Carrie, what is that thing? She's like, well, that's just like a well thought out communication plan. And I'm like, can I have that, please? It's like, yeah, go right ahead. I mean, I, I learn so much whenever I'm here. I come with like a pencil or notepad and so, so grateful to be with you guys. Uh, if you got a Bible, go ahead and make it way to Luke chapter 18. Um, and you know, also I'm just very thankful for your pastor, Kyle. I mean, he has played such a pivotal role in my life. Uh, many of you guys know this, but 15 years ago, uh, I, was a, I was a college freshman at UNC Greensboro and I met Kyle Merch doing magic tricks, you know, meeting people in the dorm. And over course of a couple of months, uh, Kyle led me to Christ and began to disciple me. And, and so he has had such a profound impact on my life. And to, to a degree that I'm not even quite sure where like Kyle's thoughts end and my thoughts begin, okay? I'm not sure. So for example, I'll be at my church and I'll make this point that I'm like, that point was straight fire. I mean, it's like, well, balanced, of course, it's alliterated, you know, it sounds really good. I'm very proud of myself. And then I hear Kyle say it a few months later, and I'm like, I guess he's been saying that for years, and I like learned it by osmosis. I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know. Uh, a, couple of months, a couple of months before, there was this great thing that happened to me. There's a young woman who went to our church who then moved to Winston, and she texted me in the middle of Kyle's sermon, and she said, Kyle just said something that you said about two months ago. Then she said this, she goes, did you help him write his sermon? <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I texted back so quick, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Whenever he's lost or confused, whenever Kyle has a question about the Bible, he comes to me, right? And I, I help him out, what can I say? But either way, uh, so grateful to be here with you guys. Uh, if you made it with Luke chapter 18, let me just begin by setting our time together and reading verse one. Luke 18, verse one. We're hopping back in the series, plot twist. Verse one, he told them a parable to the effect they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Let's be honest. Prayer is one of those things that we know we should do, but we often forget to do. It's one of those, those disciplines that are easily forgotten. And you ask a question like, why do, we, why do we not pray? There's probably several reasons, but I'll give you my top three. It's this, we're arrogant, we're anxious, and we're always in a hurry. Think with me, arrogant says, I got this. Arrogant people, like they need to pray. Maybe you remember Terrell Owens, the football player, the famous quote, I love me some me, right? That's, that's arrogant Christians. I got this figured out. I love me some me. I do not need to pray. I got me. That's arrogance. 
Anxiety is a little different. Anxiety is, the arrogance is, I got this. Anxiety is, I'm doomed. And, and most of us, we, we, don't, we don't take our anxieties to the foot of the cross. We, we don't cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. We, we actually go inward and we say, well, I gotta figure this thing out. And, and for some of you, your anxiety, it pops up and you become a control freak. And so you don't pray. You, you say, well, I'm going to fix this myself. So we're arrogant, we're anxious, or we're always in a hurry. Like, I'd love to pray, but I'm just I'm too busy. In our culture, we love, we love efficiency. I mean, like, can, can, I, can I get it out in 144 characters? Like, like can, what is the fastest way to get this information to me? What is the most efficient? Like here, I guarantee, whenever you put something in your phone to MapQuest or wherever, you're always trying to find the fastest route. Like in a world that loves efficiency, prayer just feels inefficient. And so I'm not gonna pray because I'm just always in a hurry. On to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. That's why we don't pray. We're arrogant, we're anxious, and we're always in a hurry. But guess why we should pray? Oh yeah, that's right. Because we're arrogant, anxious, and always in a hurry. And here's what prayer does. Prayer is going to, it's gonna humble the arrogant. It's going to heal the anxious and it's going to help the hurried. And so we, we have to wrap our hearts and wrap our minds around prayer. And so here, this is a safe place, okay? Safe place. Show of hands, how many of you have ever fallen asleep while praying? Look at y'all. Yes, yes, honesty. Round of applause for honesty in church. Very good, yes, very good. Okay, guess what? You are not alone. The disciples, yes, the disciples of Jesus, they also fell asleep while they were praying. And like they knew they needed help. And my hope today is this, that you will be able to say, I know I need help with this. This is an area of my life that's just not quite conformed to the life of Jesus. Jesus, would you teach me to pray? In fact, that, that phrase right there, Jesus, would you teach me to pray, was a phrase that the disciples uttered themselves. And here's what gets me. Jesus preached a whole bunch of sermons. They never said, teach us to preach. Jesus did a whole bunch of miracles. He, they never said, teach us to do miracles. But they did say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? I think it's because they recognize that when it comes to prayer, Jesus is different. When it comes to prayer, he's the goat. If you, so here, if you're under the age of 40, you caught that, okay? The goat, right? right? If you're over the age of 40, you're like, I thought he was the lamb. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's both, he's both, he's both. The goat means he's the greatest of all time, okay? When it comes to prayer, he is the greatest of all time. So funny little story. Uh, there's a guy in my church who loves to like hit me with these like NBA hot takes, and I'm not always here for it. But we're talking one time and he tried to convince me that LeBron James is not in the top five of all time. I said, brother, you are bearing false witness, <laughs> breaking commandments, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know, I mean, just, and my kids were around so irresponsible. So we're, we're going back and forth about this, but you know what was never up for debate? Who the GOAT actually is of the NBA? It's Michael Jordan. 
right? Like, like that, it's like, un, it's a fact. It's fact. If you disagree, it's like, well, I think you have like a prayer team adversary that meets, and I don't know if you have oil. I'm not sure. But, but for everyone else who has eyes, like we know that Michael Jordan is the goat when it comes to the NBA. Well, the same goes for prayer. If you read the Bible, you recognize Jesus is the goat when it comes to prayer. He's just different. There's so many stories of Jesus doing wild things with prayer. For example, remember that one time when Jesus goes to Peter? He's like, hey, Peter, come here. Hey, the devil asked if he could sift you like wheat. Remember that? And if you're Peter, you're like, you said no, right? (laughs) What did Jesus say? It's cool. I prayed for you. It's like, what does Jesus believe about prayer that I don't? I think he believes it actually works. I think he believes it actually changes things. I'll say it, some of us hide behind a theology of sovereignty to take the teeth out of prayer. And here, I am a card-holding believer in the sovereignty of God. I got my card right here. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But if, you, if your view of God's in control of all things means I don't have to pray, you got that wrong. Like Jesus would often go to desolate places and there he would pray. There's something about prayer that Jesus believes that I just struggle to believe. Second story. Remember the time the disciples are casting out demons? I mean, just like a typical Tuesday life of a disciple, just casting out demons, you know, going to work. Well, there's one demon that like won't leave. It's like the pickle jar, like the lid is stuck and they can't like get that thing off. And so they're, they're trying and then they have to go up the hierarchy. You have to go to Jesus and say, can you please help us? And Jesus goes over there and just kind of like cast the demon out like it's nothing. And of course they're like, why couldn't we do that? Remember what he said? Some demons can only be driven out by prayer. Man, that's true. I'm convinced there are some marriages in this room that will not be restored apart from prayer. There are probably some sinful addictions in this room that will not get any better apart from prayer. There are some heart wounds that will not be healed apart from prayer. So, so what is it for you? What is the thing in your life that, that Jesus is saying, prayer? This thing in your life will not improve until you commit yourself to prayer. Yeah, I want you to always pray. I want you to always pray and not lose heart. And so the disciples said, Jesus, you're different. Man, teach us to pray. And we have the opportunity today to go to the goat and to say the same thing. Jesus, would you teach us, teach us how to pray? So let's, do it. let's just pray right now and ask Jesus to teach us how to pray. God, we believe that. We believe that when it comes to prayer, Lord, you were different. and you want us to be different. Jesus, you would often go out in the spirit, in the spirit of power, and you would pray, and you would 
cast out demons and you would raise the dead and you would spend time with your father and, and things would happen. Things would change. And so God, give us the grace to believe that. Give us the grace to believe that prayer actually works. This we pray in Christ's name, amen. Look back with me to verse one of Luke 18. Let me read to you again. It says this, and he told them a parable to the effect they ought always to pray and not lose heart. There it is. Like there's the whole point of the parable. There's the whole point of my sermon. You should always pray and not give up. That, that is, the, is a one-point sermon. That is the point. Always pray, don't stop. That's the whole point of the parable. Here's what's interesting. Why does Luke tell you the point of the parable in the first sentence? I mean, typically, these goth writers, they like, they like for you to work for it. I mean, there are times when Jesus will tell a parable and he's like, do you get it? And they're like, got it. Turns around, they're like, we don't got it. <laughs> we have no idea what he just said. But here it's very clear. Like, hey, here's the point. I want you to always pray and do not lose heart. Do not give up. Why is that so clear? I think it's because of the very last verse where he says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? He wants to be very clear. Prayer is an act of faith. Because prayer is when you go to a God you cannot see. That's faith. faith. Faith is not, I see what God's doing, I'm good with it. That's called sight. No, faith is, I'm not sure what he's doing, but I trust he's doing something. And I can't see if he's hearing the words that I'm saying, but I trust he is. Yeah, prayer is an act of faith. It's not, it is not sight. Prayer is when you walk by faith and not by sight. You know, when I was in high school, I was a wrestler. And not like fake wrestling, like that, don't, don't insult me. Like not like, get the chair, no, 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 no. Real, strategic, actual weight class wrestling, okay? And on the wrestling team, there was a guy, one of my friends, his name was Tyler. Tyler was this scrawny, scrappy 103 pounder. Tyler was one of the most amazing people I've ever met because Tyler was completely blind. And every opponent he wrestled, he had to wrestle without sight. But here's the whole point. You're Tyler. Everything you are wrestling with right now, you are wrestling by faith and not by sight. And everything you take to God in prayer, you are wrestling with God and you don't see what he's going to do and you don't see how he's gonna work this out for good, but you have to trust. I remember one time in particular, this one match where Tyler's up by one point and these opponent, he, he snaps them down and, and he's gonna spin around to get two points and win the match and, and Tyler just throws his arm out to catch a leg or something. Well, he catches the guy's leg and this guy's walking back and walking back and walking back and I'm thinking, man, that shoulder's gonna pop any second now. It's, he, he can't keep, and he's just walking, and you see Tyler gritting his teeth, just trying to hold. And he has no idea how much time is left. He can't see the clock, he can't even see. But there was only 20 seconds left. 
And so all of us on the bench, we jump up and we're like, Tyler, hold on. Tyler, keep going. Tyler, don't let go. And our coach is a former Marine, booming voice. He stands up and he says, keep wrestling. And my whole point to you is this, keep wrestling. Keep pleading. Keep praying. And maybe you need the people of God. Maybe you need the church on your bench to stand up for you and say, I see what you can't see. I see you holding on. I see you fighting. I see you trying. I see you pleading. Don't give up. Yeah, the point of the parable is I want you to always pray. And don't give up. And Tyler reminded me of another story. It's one in the Bible of another wrestling match. Jacob, remember this? Jacob wrestling with God. And there's this great scene where at the end of the wrestling match, Jacob just latches on to the angel of the Lord's ankle. And he says this, he says, I will not let go until you bless me. That's prayer. It's where you throw yourself on the mercy of God and you say, I will not let go until you bless me. I'm not gonna stop pleading. I'm not gonna stop asking. I'm not gonna stop praying. I'm going to always pray and not give up. That's prayer. And so he begins this parable by saying, let me be very clear about what I'm trying to communicate. I want you to always pray and never lose heart. But then see how he tells a story to back it up. Look at me in verse two. It says this, <clears throat> in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. A widow, she's the star of the parable. You know, Luke has a soft spot for widows. More than any other gospel writer, you can read, I mean, you have in Luke 20, you have him saying, woe to the scribes who devour widows' houses. In Luke 21, the widow with the two coins, who it's all she has. In Acts chapter six, Luke also wrote that, Acts chapter six, you have the Hellenistic Jews complaining that their widows are being neglected, that Luke has this unique soft spot for widows. And I think it's because he's the only Gentile who wrote part of the New Testament. And so he's very sensitive to outsiders. He's very sensitive to people who are on the outside looking in, which is why you have some stories that are only in Luke's gospel, like the, the, the parable of um, the prodigal son, only in Luke's gospel. Zacchaeus, only in Luke's gospel. It's, why? it's an outsider who becomes an insider. He's a soft spot for widows, but here's the whole point. You're the widow. Nothing to offer and yet everything to gain. Yeah, that the gospel is not, you are this impressive person who God's like, I need you on my team. The gospel is, I'm a poor widow. I am the person whose society would, would shove to the side and yet I am the person who is the recipient of this grace. Yes, the gospel says you are the widow with nothing in your hands to offer God, and yet God has bestowed on you crazy grace, crazy mercy, crazy love. 
Yeah, we're, we're the widow. So the widow's the main character, but then keep on reading. Look with me in verse three. There is a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Verse four, for a while, he refused. Okay, there it is. Let's talk about that. Unanswered prayer. Few things are more disorienting in the life of a Christian than unanswered prayer. Like some of you are very spiritual and very pleasant until you don't get what you want. And we gotta get a grip on unanswered prayer. And here's the thing, it's not even like she was asking for something outlandish. It's like, give me justice. Like God, you should care about that kind of stuff. Yeah, what do you do when you ask for good things? When you ask for things that God should care about and you're not even guessing, it's like in the Bible, God, you care about this. You care about just, you care about this thing. You, you said that you're a very present help in time of trouble. You should care about me right now. I'm in trouble. What do you do when you have unanswered prayer? You know, this is one of those things where people will literally change their theology because of unanswered prayer. Where they get on the whole, okay, is he good but not powerful or powerful but not good? Like some people change their whole view of God because of unanswered prayer. And I'll say this, whenever you're dealing with a Christian who is walking through addiction, you are never just dealing with addiction. You are always dealing with unanswered prayer. Whenever you have a teenager in the church who is dealing with same-sex attraction, you are never only dealing with same-sex attraction. You are always dealing with unanswered prayer. And so we, we gotta get a hold of what, what is God up to? Why does God say no? I can think of two reasons. Here's number one. Sometimes his no is a soft no, meaning not right now. Which is why you have all the Psalms that say, wait on the Lord, like take heart, like wait for him, just wait. It's gonna, he's gonna do something and God is teaching you to wait. He's doing something in you as you wait. Yeah, it's a soft no. It's a not right now. It's a not yet. I'm teaching you to trust me. Sometimes God's no is a soft no, but sometimes God's no is a hard no. And that's because pain is part of the plan. Now, that, listen, that is true, deep, and very hard to stomach. So it's, it's true. It's like all over the scriptures. Pain's part of the plan. This is James 1. Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds because you know the testing of your faith. It's doing something. It's producing endurance and steadfastness. Sometimes God's saying, no, pain's part of the plan. That's just true. And, and even like the way that you got saved, your believers, because Jesus experienced your pain on the cross. Pain has always been part of the plan. Through many trials, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Pain's part of the plan. That's just true. But it's deep. You know what deep means? Causes all the time. He says, deep means this impacts me on multiple different levels. 
the fact that pain's part of the plan, that impacts my marriage. The fact that pain's part of the plan, that impacts my parenting. The fact that pain is part of the plan impacts my finances, my career. It impacts everything. It's just, it's deep. And it's just hard to stomach. It don't always taste good. But here's the thing. We need to develop an appetite for things that don't taste good, but are good. I mean, I have this conversation with my son all the time at dinner. Apollos is like, Daddy, I don't want to eat broccoli. I say, why not? He goes, because broccoli's the worst. So he talks. It's the worst, okay? I'm like, well, it's what's for dinner. You got to eat the broccoli. He goes, Daddy, it don't taste good. I said, son, sometimes in life, you have to eat things that don't taste good. Yeah, pain's part of the plan. It don't taste good, but it is good. And if you don't wrap your mind around the fact that God sometimes says no, that God uses pain to advance his purposes in your life, you don't get your mind, your heart wrapped around. If you can't can't stomach that, you will either get bitter or badder. You'll get bitter. You'll get angry at God. You'll just say, well, God, forget you. You'll be resentful or you'll get badder. You'll lean on your own understanding. You'll just say, I'll do, he's not gonna help me. I'll do whatever I'm going to do. I'm gonna do me. Yes, you will either get bitter or badder if you can't wrap your mind around why God says no. So in light of that, what should you do? Always pray and don't give up. It's like, God, my marriage is falling apart. What do I do? I want you to always pray and never give up. God, my child's a prodigal. What do I do? They've run away. They don't care about it. They don't care about me or Jesus or the church. What do I do? I want you to always pray and never give up. Jesus, I don't know where my next paycheck's gonna come from. I can't pay the bills. What do I do? I want you to always pray and never give up. That's the whole point of the parable. Always pray, do not give up. So for a while, he refuses, but then keep on reading. Look at me here in verse four. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. In other words, God rewards persistent prayer. And the whole argument, it's called a fortiori argument, which is a how much more argument. And so you have this judge who's wicked, who's terrible, who gives in to persistence. How much more will a God who loves you give in to your persistence? And what's crazy, if you are a parent, this story makes no sense. They keep bothering you and you give in? That's like breaking parent rule number one. Don't give in, right? Don't surrender. I mean, my kids will like pester me for like breakfast and food and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, if you kids bother me one more time, you will not eat today, okay? <laughs> Don't report me, okay? I was just, I'm being vulnerable here, okay? Just being honest. 
And yet we have this, this wicked king who gives in. This wicked king says, okay, fine, yeah. And the whole point is this, keep asking. Maybe God said no. Keep asking, don't lose heart. Maybe you've been praying about the same thing for years and you don't see any movement. You don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, but guess what? You don't need a light at the end of the tunnel to trust God. You don't need to see progress in this thing to trust God. I mean, my goodness, this is a God who literally walks on water. I don't think he needs things to go the way you think they need to go. I'm pretty sure he can just do it. That's faith. For some of us, we don't ask God for things because it kind of feels unspiritual. It's like, doesn't God want me to just like compliment him all the time? There is this Scottish preacher in this church, and this is an old school church where like the choir is behind them, you know, and the the preacher gets up and he begins to pray. And I mean, this is the most like highfalutin prayer ever. He's like, God, our father, we thank you for your atoning sacrifice, the imputation of Christ's work. And finally, this little old lady in the choir pulls on his robe and says, just call him father and ask him for something. I think that's right. Just call him father and ask him for something. Just be persistent. Just continue to pray and not give up. You know, Tim Keller, great preacher who passed away recently, he said, the only person who dares wake a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is the king's child. And listen, we have that kind of access. We are, we are children of the king. And so she keeps on asking. And notice how the parable ends. Here's the plot twist. Look at me in verse six. It says this. <clears throat> and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? See that? Prayer is about faith. You trust a God you cannot see. Did you know that water boils at 212 degrees? Not 209 not 210, not 211, 212. Water changes. It goes from a liquid to a gas at 212 degrees and not a degree cooler. Some of you gave up praying at 211. Some of you gave up praying at 210. Some of you gave up praying well before like 100 and some of you never turned the stove on. You just resigned yourself to the idea that God doesn't care about that thing. Well, guess what? God cares about that thing. And today is a call to faith. It's a call to say, God, I'm going to trust you even when I don't see you. 
I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep on pleading. I'm going to always pray and never give up. Let's do that today. Let's commit to saying, God, I'm going to always pray, and I'm not going to give up. Let's pray. With every head bowed, maybe you're here today and you've realized that you have had a weak faith. You've given up. You've lost heart. You've stopped praying. Today's a really good day to confess that to God and let your request be made known to him. Or maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and you need to place your faith in Jesus. Listen, Christianity is simple but not easy. It's simple. Jesus has done everything necessary for me to be saved. He lived for me, he died for me, he rose for me, he forgives me, he loves me, he satisfies me, he saves me. You can put your faith in Jesus today. You can walk with God today. And so, Lord, do it. Teach us to pray. Teach us to always pray and never lose heart. This we pray in Christ's name, amen.